Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the Sailing and Cruising the East Coast of the United States podcast. I'm Bale Musitz. And I'm Mike Wasserman. Hey, this is our podcast about sailing the East Coast of the United States. In some episodes, we'll focus on passages and destinations, and in other episodes, we'll talk about boats, equipment, and techniques. And we come across an interesting person, we'll try to get them to be a guest on the show. But Mike, before we dive into this episode, we need to say a special thank you to our newest supporter, Leo. Leo sent me a very nice email saying he really enjoyed the podcast. And a few days later, I got a little ping saying he's supporting the podcast as well. So thank you so much, Leo. We really appreciate it. And if you'd like to support the podcast, you can go to patreon.com forward slash sailing the east. Hey, Mike, I've been meaning to ask you, do any of your coworkers sail? Is sailing a popular activity in Germany? Hey, Bela. Nice to be here with you once again. Mm, interesting question. You know, I'm the, my students will tell you I'm the king of students ask a short question and you get a long answer. Okay. <laughs> so the short answer is yes. Um, I'll, ex I'll give you a little more of a longer answer and just stop me if I go on too much. But um, sailing is pretty popular here in Germany. You know, it's... Um, there's really only the northern coast that's on an ocean, okay? But there's lots of inland lakes and waterways here in Germany. So um, I got several friends down in the south of Germany in Constance. If you know your geography, kind of um, Constance is on the border of Switzerland. And there's a lake in English, they call it Lake Constance. And in German, it's called the Bodensee. Um, and it sits at the intersection of Germany, Switzerland, and Austria is on the east kind of point of this. Um, it's about, I think, 60 kilometers, which is about 40 miles long, if my math is right. It's um, it's only about nine, nine, nine or 10 miles, I think, 15 kilometers wide. So it's long and skinny. Um, and it's about, I think, 500 square kilometers, which I think is about 200 square miles. You know, so it's not like Lake Erie or Lake Michigan or anything like that. Um, and its deepest point is about, I think, 250 meters, my, my friend who uh, lives there. Um, said, which I think is like 800 feet or something like that. So it's not huge on kind of Great Lakes standards, but it's pretty big on inland lakes yeah. in terms of yeah. Europe anyways. Yeah. 
Um, so I have a couple of friends and they each own a medium sized sailboat that you can spend a night, you know, overnight. They aren't as big as the ocean going uh, sailboats uh, or your boat, um, smaller than that significantly. But um, but I have you know, a couple of friends that do they'll go overnight and, and do some trips with it, um, but mostly day sailing. Um, it's also there you can say you can rent small sailboats pretty easily. There's um, lots of marinas. Um, but an interesting fact about this particular lake that if anybody's thinking like, ooh, I'll go, is that you actually need a, a skipper's license, a boater's license to operate mm. a boat on this inland lake, which is kind of interesting. Apparently, that's not so common anywhere in the world um, that you, you must have this special license. Um, and they have two category A, I think, which is. Um, for boats with motors that are over, I think it's four and a half kilowatts, which is like five horsepower. So even a small engine, right, a, or a medium-sized engine, you have to have a license. Or the category D is for sailboats, uh, and I had to look this one up. But it, it's a if the sail area is more than 12 square meters, which I think is 130 square feet, which is not so big, right? Um, so even a, a kind of a small size sailboat, you would need one of these skippers licenses, and you have to take a class. Um, and then the boat itself needs to be inspected and certified to operate on this lake. Okay. And each of the three countries you can get the license from and the tests or the inspection is the same. It's consistent. Um, but yeah. it's, a, it's a, it's a, it needs, it needs to be done. Um, so there's some barriers to sailing on this lake, but um, even the, um, the university there offers the, uh, the, the skipper's course to its students, right? They have a limited number of seats and you can, there's plenty of, kind of organizations and clubs that offer the training and the language. And it's pretty affordable to join one of these clubs and, and take it. So that's pretty cool. And then I have some friends here in Munster. And for people who don't know the geography, Munster is kind of in the western central part of Germany. And if you know where Dusseldorf is, it's um, like an hour and a half north um, east of Dusseldorf. And so here we don't have any really big lakes or anything around here. Um, we've got some smaller lakes. So I, again, I have a, a one friend that has a, um, a small sailboat on, a, on one of the uh, smaller lakes here. And then I have a couple of friends that have boats up on the, up on the ocean. So if you drive a couple yeah. hours north, you get to the Baltic Sea, which is if you think about where Denmark is, kind of Denmark and over to the east is the Baltic. And then kind of from Denmark over to the to the west um, is the North Sea and they're connected, right? But um, so there's people and there's one of the places that my friends love to sail to is there's a whole bunch of islands off the Northern coast of Germany and Denmark and Netherlands. Um, and these islands, one of them is called Silt and one of them uh, is called Nordenay. And the, these, a lot of these islands are only accessible by boat. So people really have fun to sail from island to island and, and dock or put a mooring ball down and then go in and explore these islands because um, they have towns and everything on it. But some of them have no cars. Um, so it's really kind of neat. So yeah, short question, long answer. I've got several different friends and there's ocean sailing kind of yeah. up to the north. And then there's a lot of inland lake sailing. Um, and so different, different kind of um, types of boats that, pe that people have. And I almost never go with them. I've been out a couple of times out on the boat and say, which is really nice, but yeah, I'm just bad well, at that. Okay. Yeah. You, you know, they, they always say the, the, the best boat to sail on is a friend's sailboat. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Um, so, all right, but enough about German sailing, Bill. I mean, maybe we do a whole other episode on that at some point, but yeah. um, you know, it's not in the title of the podcast. So, but I'm excited to hear who we're going to talk about, uh, talk with on this episode. Give me a, give me a, 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 a brief hint here. 
Yeah. So today's guest is uh, Anne DeMonte, uh, and we're going to talk about whales and dolphins. Whoa. Uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, we don't have whales and dolphins on our inland lakes here, but there's some up in the north, I know. <laughs> yeah. Okay. But cool. Now, these are amazing animals. I've done a little bit of whale and dolphin watching. Um, and I know that they, as a sailor, you're sharing the water in a lot of places um, in the world with, with these cool animals. Have you seen any whales or dolphins, Bela? I have. Uh, I've seen one whale, uh, and and that was when uh, we were coming down from uh, Nova Scotia down to Annapolis, and we stopped in Sandy Hook, New Jersey, uh, for a few days to get get a little rest. And uh, we were leaving Sandy Hook and going around the the point there, and probably, you know, distances are, are hard to judge out in the water for me, but fifty yards away, this whale breached. I mean, it just came out of the water. And it was like, oh, holy smokes. It was it was unbelievable. And that's all we saw of it. It was just that one time. We didn't see any bubbles. We saw no other whales. But it for what for some reason it you know popped up out of the water. And and uh, I'll never forget that. And then interestingly enough, um on Narragansett Bay, I've I've never seen any dolphins or whales. And this summer. Now we were down near the mouth of Narragansett Bay, so we we were just uh, around Newport, but we were on the what's called the West Passage, and uh, we were sailing north. I was with Andy and Kate, and this huge pot of dolphins uh, were all around the boat, and they were clearly feeding on on some big school of fish, uh, because it wasn't like they were you know like you see the classic thing you see on a sailboat and dolphins is they're swimming next to the boat and on the bow of the boat and stuff. It was none of that. They were just coming up all around the boat uh, and they were clearly feeding. There must have been a hundred of them. I mean, I, I, wow. it was incredible. And right in Narragansett Bay. So that was the that was the first time that uh, uh, I ever I ever seen anything like that in, in the bay. So that was kind of neat. And, you know, when I saw, like when we saw the dolphins, we didn't know what to do. Should we slow down? Should we speed up? Should we, we were sailing. Should we turn the motor on? You know, and same thing with the whale. And um, the way I got connected with Anne is I took this course I, online. I got this email or I saw something on Facebook or somewhere about uh, dolphin safety and whale safety. And so I said, oh, I took this online course and it took me about 15 minutes or something. And I learned a lot of stuff. And Ann and I talk about that a little bit in the interview. And I saw after I took that course, I said, they would be a good guest on the show. So that's sort of how we made that connection. Cool. Well, let's get right to it. Uh, really interested to hear your interview, Bela, with Ann DeMonte. Hello, Ann, and welcome to the podcast. Thank you for having me. Sure. Yeah, I'm looking forward to our conversation. So Thank tell you. us a little bit about whale and dolphin conservation and uh, what you do there. Okay, so just to take a step back and clarify a little bit, I actually don't work for the Whale and Dolphin Conservation. I work for the Audubon Society of Rhode Island. Right. Um, we are we partner with the Whale and Dolphin Conservation um, on a larger project called Sharing the Seas um, or Sea a Spout. Um, and this is, is actually a partnership program with NOAA, um, Whale and Dolphin Conservation, the Audubon Society of Rhode Island, Stellwagen Bank Marine Sanctuary and the New Bedford Whaling Museum. So it's a mm -hmm. collaborative project. Um, the Whale and Dolphin Conservation sort of hosts the um, training that you took, um, the Safe Boater Training, 
on their website as part of the CS Spout. So they're sort of the website host. Um, and Regina, who's the executive director there, got your email and then forwarded to me because I, for this collaboration, I oversee the sailing aspect and the reach community reach to the sailing aspects. I've been I've been sailing since I was in high school, so um, I sort of have the intel with the sailing and understand how sailors talk and think a little bit. Um, so my role is actually um, I'm the director of the Audubon Society Rose Nature Center and Aquarium in Bristol, Rhode Island. Yeah, perfect. Uh, and I've been there and yes. I can highly recommend it uh, for you. individuals. It's got a uh, a beautiful museum and animals and all sorts of stuff and then a, a really beautiful grounds that you can walk down all the way down to the bay yes uh, down to Narragansett Bay. yes yeah it's yeah, 28 acres been, yeah yeah we've been there several times it's it was uh, it was really wonderful so that Thank was nice you. and then the way that we got sort of uh or i got introduced to this was i somehow i got an online message or i learned about the see a spout course right yes and it's an online you know took me 20 minutes or something, educational opportunity to learn about whales and dolphins and how boaters and sailors uh, and cruisers can sort of uh, make sure they do the right things. If they if they see a spout or they, you know, come across some dolphins or maybe an injured injured animal and, and what are the things to do. So I found it to be really, really informative. Mm -hmm. So I thought that would be a great podcast. Yeah, so, no, so glad you did. Yeah, because I think it's yeah. an area that a lot of mariners are not aware of, um, or they think it doesn't affect them um, as often. And really, um, sailors or mariners um, are much more aware of what's going on. Sometimes we scientists in the field because you're on the water. So we often ask sailors and mariners to be our eyes and the ears on the water and do things like report things. Um, if they can report what they're seeing, where animals are, that type of thing, it usually helps the scientific community and the conservation efforts. So it's a twofold. Um, the program that you're mentioning, Sea Spout, or for the sailing aspect, we call it Sharing the Seas, Safe Boating for Sailors and Whales. That's the sailing aspect of the course that you just took. Um, it's really meant to educate mariners about the animals that they share the waters with. Um, it's so many, I hear so, so many times from sailors that they really, believe it or not, don't know what's going under under their keel. You know, um, mar sailors tend to know before they go out. They'll look at charts. They'll check the weather. They'll look at docking areas, things like that. But they often don't know about what animals they may encounter along the way. Um, and the last thing you want to do in a forty, you know, forty foot sailboat is hit a fifty five foot whale because uh, chances are the whale's going going to win um, in that circumstance. So it's a really good good thing for sailors to know and also it helps the whales on the flip side you don't want to injure these animals um uh, when out on the water as well yeah so let's talk a little bit uh, about uh the region that we both sail in which is yeah. sort of narragansett bay and let's say new england you know yes let's just say the east coast of mm -hmm. the united states right so where along the east coast let's say from florida up to maine might we expect to encounter whales yeah, so that's a great question. So we are on the we on the East Coast are on the migratory route for many of these animals. So what many of these animals will do, they sort of follow the cruising group. Um, you know, they do the same exact things we do. They go to Florida in the winter time, and then they come up 
the coast of New England and hug the coast just like we do. And then they end up at New England for the summer and some of them then go on to Canada. So they're kind of following the same route that the sailors are, are following. Um, so in the winter, and some of them will hang out, they'll stay in New England throughout the winter, but most of them are gonna be leaving at this time of year in the fall and they're gonna be traveling, traveling south. Some will go as far as Mexico um, and the Caribbean, mm. like the um, humpback whales will do that. Some like the endangered North Atlantic right whale will uh, hug the coast and then stop around Jacksonville in the uh, Carolinas area. And they'll have their calves there is really why they're going down south is to have their calves in the warmer waters. And then they'll cake their calves back into New England where we are because that's where the food is. So unfortunately for all of these animals, they're doing the exact same thing as sailors and um, boaters that you know, we are, they're going back and forth and they're following the good weather and the currents and the way the the winds are going and that type of thing. So the increase in uh, mariners encountering those those animals is pretty high. I often hear from sailors that say, oh, I've been sailing for years, I've never seen a whale. Well, just because you don't see it doesn't mean they're there. They're not there. Right. You know, um, you know, it, they may be under the surface. They may be traveling. They may be a couple of miles away from you, but you just never see them. So they are there. And there's more and more um, technology out there for sailors and other mariners that will let you know where these animals are. There's a new there's an app called Whale Alert that you can download to your phone. Mm. And it'll let you know where the whales are so you can know before you leave. There's something on the uh, government website, the NOAA's website called Whale Map, and you can see where the most frequent uh, areas of whales are. And then um, NOAA also has a detection system that they will let you know when whales are in a certain area. You can get an email or a text alert um, and let to let you know when these animals are in the area. So there's a lot of resources that when I started sailing weren't there, but nowadays with technology, um, sailors can stay pretty well informed about where these animals are. Yeah. You know, and there's a lot of marine life that migrates uh, exactly. north and south or east and west. So that's not uncommon. However, we're talking about mammals. So right. they breathe air. So they do. which means they tend to hang out near the surface much more so than than other animals. And that's what makes these encounters uh, challenging. Yeah, exactly. And often what we've what we hear from sailors and I've heard over the years is they'll say I've hit a UFO an unidentified flo floating object is usually what they record it as because often these things happen during night watches um, right. or the the whale might be sitting just below the surface what should we call logging which is when they sleep and they're just below the surface and they look like a floating log um, so if there's a good seascape and the waves are going and you may never see these animals and suddenly you hit something and not sure what it was and you register it as a UFO and it may very well in fact have been a, been a whale. Um, what we're finding too, the more research and the more we do about this, how many sailors and mariners actually have struck whales, but they just never report it. They don't know that they should report it or that they've had reported it. Um, that goes for cruisers and racers both. Um, so that is also trying to start to change. 11th hour racing is doing a big push to try to track um, and record where animals are hit and what's the actual, you know, percentage of these animals that may be encountering whale boats and whales encounters and interactions that we may not even know about. Right. Right. And I'm sure you've heard so, that 11th hour actually struck 
struck a whale in this yeah. in the uh, in the ocean race over the summer. That's right. That's right. Yeah. So we have there, there's some of these uh, tools that can tell you maybe where more of the whales uh, are, are concentrated. Uh, and let's say we're sailing in that area. What as a sailor, what should I do or what should I not do if I'm in that an area where there we know there's a concentration of whales? Yeah, so that's a good thing. So know before you go, right? This is why I always say to my fellow sailors is like you would never get on the water and go somewhere new without checking a chart, right? You would never just say, I'm just going to go out and, you know. I'll just figure it out as I'm going along. You know, you're going to look at right. the hazards. You're going to look at the buoy markers. You're going to know where your navigational areas are. So same thing. Before you go, know what animals are out there. So know is it migration season where they're traveling? Maybe go on to NOAA or some of these other resources and figure out where they are and what's happening. And then once you do that and you're understanding, um, then if you're in those areas, we always say try to set out a watch um, per uh, in some ways, if you can, so someone to watch, stand to the bow, stand up, look ahead. Um, and then if you do see these animals, drop sail, uh, slow down, stop, mm. turn off your engines, let the animal go by. You always want to tra travel parallel to the animal, never perpendicular um, as you go by. If the animal's coming to you, just stop, let it go by and, and keep on going. So it's really being kind of aware. Um, the other thing is, um, NOAA or the government has what they call um, dynamic management areas and um, in those areas there and they'll make you can sign up to get the announcement on those or seasonal management areas and you can they'll send you an email or a text you'll know and they will tell you at that time whales are seen in this area you must drop and this is more for cruisers more than sailors but you must drop your speed to 10 knots or 15 knots when going through this area and they'll give you a lat and long of where to go through so yes. you know pretty well that you're going in a dynamic management area or a seasonal management area and you know that these their chances of these animals are going to be there are pretty high um and by law or you depending on the size of your vessel you might have to drop your speed and keep at that speed and again that right. might be more for cruisers more than sailors so one of the things you mentioned was uh turn off your motor. So there's, I don't know if it's a myth, but you know, as a sailor, I've heard, okay, if you see some whales, turn your engine on, turn your motor on, leave it in neutral, but they'll hear the noise and that will help them be aware that, you know, there's something else going on here just besides normal other fish. Right. Uh, so so that's, yeah, can you expand on that a little? Yeah. So that's a touchy thing is that most mariners think, well, the whales will hear me, right? Um, you've got to think about the ocean is incredibly noisy, right? You know, at this time in our in our lives. And the way whale, whales have incredible hearing, a whale can hear, some whales can hear up to a mile away. However, the way, and it often depends on the size of the vessel and how the vessel is traveling, but the way the vessel travels, the sound often comes off the stern, right? As a, obviously, because that's where the prop is, right? So by the time your vessel, 45 foot vessel is, is at 45 feet ahead of that sound. So usually the, there's been a lot of research into how the whales hear. So usually by the time the whales hear you, based on how the sound comes off the boat, they may not be able to, you know, calculate what that sound is. And with all the other noise in the ocean, picking your boat out as a 
hazard compared to the other 20 boats that might be in the area, um, they can't decipher that. So sometimes turning on the engine does help. And we often, sometimes we say that will be a help to give some noise, especially if you're out alone and there's nobody else around and it is quiet, but the whale may not recognize, you know, they don't, again, they're not saying, oh, that's a boat noise and I need to avoid right. that. It's not right. how they, that's not kind of how they think. Yeah. Um, so. Yeah, very good. Um, that makes a lot of sense, right? I never yeah. thought about, particularly where we sail, there's a lot of boats. Right. <laughs> so there's a lot of noise in the water. If, if I'm 50 miles offshore and I'm the only one for 10 miles, that's a different situation. Exactly, exactly. And it also too, like I said, it depends on the vessel you know, because they've done much research on how sound comes off of vessels. And a lot of it has yeah. to do with the how the hull and how the boat is built and the size of the boat and the props and all that kind of stuff. So there's a lot more more to it. And there's always a myth that the whale will get out of my way. Um, but I always think of tell people think about the deer in the middle of the road as you're driving down the highway. You know, you're you're not going to keep driving towards that deer and assuming that the deer is going to get out of the road. You're going to stop. Yeah. Um, so it's the same mentality. You can't always assume the whale's going to get out of the way, and they may not be able to get out of the way fast enough. But you'll, often these, especially these cruising vessels, are can be faster than the animals can move. Sure. Now, is there any special considerations if you if you come across, uh, let's say, uh, a group of whales or uh, some some whales with calves? Does that change what you should do? It really doesn't. So the rule of thumb, and it depends on where you are, but with uh, a North Atlantic right whale, um, which is one of the most endangered whales in the world, there's only approximately 320 of them left. Um, you're supposed to stay away 1,500 feet. For any other whale, it's 300 feet, and that doesn't, it, it whether they have a calf, they're single, they're in a group, that doesn't matter. Um, this, so, and all of those restrictions, if you go on the NOAA website, they'll, all that information will be there. And again, like I always talk to sailors and other mariners, it's for your safety as well. These are very sure. large animals. They can do a lot of damage. Um, like I said, um, two crew members in the 11th hour racing were seriously injured after they hit a whale during the ocean race this past season. Um, the Vendy Globe race, one of the boats there was sunk by a whale. Um, so if you look back in um, in a lot of the racing thing, it, histories and within the last couple of years, um, there's been quite a bit of damage. And then you're thinking about insurance on your boat um, and those right. kinds of things. Just um, recently, uh, was it last summer or the summer before, uh, a fin whale took out a um, sports fishing boat, you know, the tail took out the sports, right off of Block Island. Um, so, you know, you've seen pictures of whales breaching on boats, things like that, yeah. as people get closer. Yeah, yeah. So, interesting. Again, these are large, large animals, what, 40 to 55 feet, um, so. Yeah, I've, see, I've seen one whale in, in my cruising, and it was down off the coast of New Jersey, down in Sandy Hook. And oh, yeah. uh, we came around the corner there and this whale breached. It was probably, it's hard to judge distances when you're on the, right. on the water, but maybe a hundred yards away from us. And it was like, oh my gosh. Yeah. And and so now the challenge of course is you don't know where it's going next. Right. You, you, you don't know where it's gonna pop up next. So I guess that's why the advice of saying slowing down, 
if you're under power, at least go into neutral, mm -hmm. drop your sales, or at least depower your sales to kind exactly. of slow things down and let the whale leave you as opposed to you trying to leave the whale. That's correct. That that you just said it in a nutshell. Um, and obviously things are going to happen. These animals do pop up. Um, I the crew at Eleventh Hour Racing are highly trained in this. Um, I've done their training myself, so I know that they're highly yeah. trained in this. Um, and it still happened. They they were on the race course, and this whale popped up, and there was no avoiding it. And that's just like I tell people. You can be driving down the highway and a deer jumps out in front of your car and there was nothing you could do to stop it. Sure. Um, but the fact that if you can be more aware, um, that would help. And then we also tell people, never be afraid to report it. Um, so often people are afraid to report it, but it, if you report it, it's actually very helpful. So if you come into shore, report it to the harbor master, whale alert that that I mentioned earlier has a place you can record on there. You can contact NOAA. It just helps us to know um, conservation wise that these animals are in this area. There might have been one that was hit. Um, it might be injured. Um, and then the appropriate people can track it if needed yes. or if God forbid it washes up dead later. They might know what happened to it. Um, that type yeah. of thing. Um, so now, yeah, let's say accidents are going to happen, right? We can't, yeah. you know, we can't always avoid that. Yeah, exactly. So let's say I see a spout mm -hmm. that's relatively close to my boat. Right. Uh, how do I? How long do I wait before I say, okay, <laughs> I, I can I can go back to doing whatever I was doing before I? Yeah. So there's a difficult thing. So if the animal the animal may hang around for a while, if it's feeding or you know resting, it may hang around for a while, and in which case you'll get a great show, right? Typically they're traveling. Yeah. So usually they're gonna travel, they're gonna get out of your way and you can keep on it. What we always tell people is just adjust your direction. So then again, you're parallel to the animal instead of being perpendicular. So as long as you're always traveling parallel to the animal as best you can, um, you know, then you should be safe. Just go slow, take it easy. I always tell people, you know, again, I chat about, think about other things, you know, if you're, in your sailboat and you've got a, you know, you're in your, you know, your Pearson 42 and you've got a, you know, whaler coming at, 20 foot whaler coming at you uh, at hundred miles an hour, you're going to adjust how you're, you're driving and sailing and whatnot. And so is hopefully the other boat. And so think about it the same way. So think about that animal as another vessel on the, on the water. No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Just, they just need to have a little AIS. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, some merit is doing that. That's what I think you're okay Yeah, with. that would be good. Some red and green lights and AIS. Right, there you and, go. Oh, wouldn't that be lovely? <laughs> it'd be a lot, be a lot easier. Right. So let, let's say, over. yeah, let, let's say that uh, I, I, I inadvertently hit one or one hits me, however you want to put that. What should I do? So again, the best thing to do is if you can take pictures, that's great. If you can jot down your Latin long, that's fantastic. If God forbid there's been seriously damage to your vessel or you notice the animal is seriously injured, bleeding, anything else, then you really should you know, get on and get on channel 16, call Coast Guard, um, let them know. Um, if it can wait, uh, if it's not an emergency, then when you get back to shore, uh, definitely if you, 
go on the website uh, for NOAA Fisheries. Um, they'll have a section where you can register again. You can tell the harbor master. You can tell Coast Guard when you come to shore. Any of that will get will get recorded. Um, so again, if the animal is injured, we'll know where. If you if the animal seriously injured or entangled, or you notice, and maybe it's not even something you did, mm. but you notice an injured animal, yeah. you notice the animal's entangled. If you can stand by that animal um, and contact Coast Guard um, and let them know, give them the Latinong and stand by, that is very helpful because what often happens is these animals, especially if they're entangled, may travel and it's often the rescue groups that are going to come out and help those animals if they if they have clear information mm -hmm. from you as the mariner where these animals are their chances of getting to the animal and helping the animal are far greater um, if they have some direction while on the water yeah so just just so it's clear one of the things you're suggesting is that if if you injure an animal or you come across an injured animal mm -hmm. it's okay to call the coast guard absolutely and say hey um, um come, came across an injured whale Mm -hmm. And and they'll know who to contact. Yes, and they'll get your they'll get your Latin longitude, mm -hmm. and they can get the ball rolling. So that's yes. one easy call for me as a mariner. I just exactly. make one one call, and I can get that information transmitted. If it's just a sighting, let's say I've seen a whale, uh, then I can I can use either that app or I Correct. can get on NOAA Fisheries website and report that. But here again, I, I should try to remember to jot down the Latin longitude of of where I was and, if possible, take a picture so we know what kind of whale it is. Because to me, all the whales look alike. Right. right that now. would be absolutely the ultimate, most wonderful thing that could happen if, if, mar if sailors and other mariners could do that, because that would be extraordinarily helpful, even if you don't, like you say, don't know what, what the animals are. Um, again... Yeah. It helps us to know, I'm going to use the endangered North Atlantic right whale as an example. There's only 320 of them left in the world. So if you're suddenly in an area and you happen to see one and you grabbed a picture of one, that might give very valuable data to the scientists to say, oh my goodness, we had no idea that these animals are here at this point of right now, or this yeah. animal is traveling here. Um, for instance, there was... Um, one not the, one of these whales, his name is Mogul. He traveled all the way to uh, France and someone in, off the coast of France happened to get his picture. And then so wow. this animal that's normally on the east coast of the United States was suddenly in France. And so, you know, it was um, or, you know, it was a big thing to know where th this animal was suddenly there. And there was another set of animals that went all the way around to the Gulf Coast of Florida. And again, usually never seen there, but people reported seeing in Florida. And again, that gave a lot of data that these animals are traveling outside the, the ra migratory range that we would normally think of. So that's what yeah. I was saying at the beginning. Sailors could and mariners could play a very important role in conservation by reporting what they see on the water. Yeah, I mean, that's a great point because, you know, there's a lot of eyeballs on the water exactly. <laughs> from, from, you know, recreational in individuals. And uh, so if we can be a little diligent about uh, recording that and capturing that information and then communicating it to the right organizations, I think that could be great. Oh. What do they call that? Citizen science or something Citizen like that? Citizen science. Exactly. Yeah. Citizen science. Yeah. And that would be that would be tremendously helpful. And because 
Scientists, if we're, if we're lucky, we may get research time on the water, which may be very limited. Uh, maybe it's a couple of weeks, couple of days, depending on, and we kind of go where we think the whales are going to go. And yeah. uh, we hope that we see them while we're there. Um, but, you know, if suddenly some somebody like Mogul says, oh, my God, what's this whale off the coast of <laughs> Europe? You know, it suddenly changes, changes that dynamics. And there is if a lot of those apps like Whaler app and the NOAA websites and Whale and Dolphin Conservation website, they all have images of what these animals look like, how you can identify them and, and whatnot. So, yeah, excellent. Excellent. Yeah. So we've been talking mostly about whales. Mm -hmm. uh, are are a bottlenose dolphins any different? Yeah, oh, I'm glad you said that because actually dolphins are whales. Uh, they're small whales with teeth. They're um, they're in the group of what you call odontocetes, meaning toothed whales, um, and they are very again very common. And they they tend to not have as much ship strike, you know. Mm interactions uh but harassment is an issue with them um sometimes some mariners you know powerboat uh folks tend to like to get the whales to ride the wake and push their wake and get them to do behaviors and push behaviors yes. that probably um are not you know, might seem fun, but can be stressful to the animals. So again, same as with the large whales, if you see them, enjoy them again, but slow down, let them go their way. Now, if they approach you and they're wake, you're going on your way and they're kind of waking and having fun with your boat, you know, on their own, that's fantastic. Uh, but, you know, you should be aware. I was recently, and even the small boats, um, I was recently in Florida and I noticed there was I was offshore and there was a woman in a kayak and there was a, a dolphin close to shore and obviously she was very thrilled to see the the whale but she kept paddling after it to get a closer yes. view and the whale and the dolphin kept trying to move to get out of its way and she kept paddling after it <laughs> and so you know and so that alone actually is against the law it's considered harassment it's against the Marine Mammal Protection Act because it's be changing the behavior that the animal would normally have. So the animal was obviously trying to get away from her and she was enthusiastically paddling after him. But even something like that can be used to very stressful for those animals. So it's something to keep in mind. Yeah. Now we talked about uh, uh, notifying uh, various different organizations if we see a, a whale. Mm -hmm. uh, if we see a dolphin, is is that also something good to do or yeah, less so? Yeah, absolutely. Because again, dolphins are whales. So yeah, if you want to report, yes, that you saw a, a you saw a pod of whales or a pod of animals, that would be fantastic. Many of those animals are all of the marine mammals are protected under the Marine Mammal Protection Act. So they're all protected, uh, but some are okay. not at that endangered status. But it's still good to know that these pods or these groups are moving through. So and again, you can any of those websites I gave you or um, downloads I gave you can re report through that. Perfect. Perfect. So, I got to yes. tell you, this past summer, we were coming up the West Passage and just north of the bridge, we must have encountered 100, 150 dolphins. See, they were all over the place. They were looked like they were feeding on something. Right. But we were like in the midst, in the middle of it, and, and awesome. they were just, you know, surrounding us all over the place. It was remarkable. It was the first time I had seen such a large, large. collection of dolphins on on Narragansett Bay. Yeah, and that would be lovely to know, you know, that these large pod was in this area at that time. And that also gives a lot of information in itself. Like you just said, 
what are they feeding on on what food sources there at the moment is that going to bring in other animals um that type of thing and then also too with it also should make mariners think a little bit about um things like what's going over the the side and uh, you know as right. far as there's line if there's lines in the water and um you know those type of thing where you dump your billage and all that kind of kind of stuff um so yeah 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 that um, was a, that was a remarkable experience this summer and it was before i took my course so <laughs> i didn't know i should have reported it but you know now it, i know well, yeah, and it helps. And I think too, something else I just thought about too is that uh, we ask that as much as it might break your heart, is that we recommend that no one try to ever entangle or help a whale on your own. It's best to report it and leave it to the experts. Often, sure, uh, sailors and mariners see an animal in distress and they want to try to help. They want to try to cut the line off, and but it's extremely dangerous work. Um, there's a very select group of experts from the Center for Conservation. Um, excuse me, Center for Coastal Studies in Provincetown. And then there's a group in Virginia, and then there's a group in Florida who are all trained in uh, marine mammal disentanglement. Um, yeah. And they know what they're doing. And so it's best just to call them, do never get in the water with these animals. Again, they're very large. They're going to be hurt. They're not going to understand that you're trying to help them. And it, you could be very, very well injured um, by doing something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So, Anne, this has been a great conversation. I've really enjoyed fun. it. So uh, refresh our listeners' memory on some of the websites that people should be aware of. Absolutely. So the course you just took is um, housed on the website for whale and dolphin conservation, and it's called See a Spout. Um, the sailing aspect of it is um, sharing the seas, safe boating for sailors and whales. But if you just go on the See a Spout website, it will link you through and you can take the course that you took. Like you said, it takes about 20 minutes, um, give or take. And then so that will give you a lot of the information I just gave you. But then you can reach out to any of the people that are in this partnership, either myself at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island. And of course, NOAA. Um, National Oceanographic Atmospheric Administration. They're um, they're kind of are the governing organization that oversees it all. And there's a lot of information on their website. And again, you can sign up for their alerts that will come to you via email or text to let you know when these animals are in the in the area. And then there's Whale Alert, which is a, a download an app. It's free, um, and you can download it, and it'll tell you where whales are. It works through acoustic monitoring. So there's acoustic buoys that they put in the water that listens for whales calls and sounds. Um, and that's how they track where these animals are. Um, so that's how that's how that works. Um, so any of those um, resources are fantastic to use. And then Stellwagen Bank, who is another community partner with us, also has um, information on their website. Super, super. So. Uh is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to share with our listeners? So I think, uh, well, I think we're lucky, you know, the attitude is changing. I think that mm. uh, a little bit that way back when in the dark ages, when I started sailing, um, you know, sailors really didn't think about the conservation uh, part of the sport. You know, it was just either you were racing or you were trying or you were cruising and you didn't think about the environmental impact. But I think that's changing a lot. You're seeing a lot of that change within the within the sport or within the um, 
within the field, for lack thereof, better sailors, I think are becoming much more, like you said, citizen scientists and becoming much more aware of their impact and their use of the resources. And that's a fantastic thing. So I think if we partner more and we can work more, the conservation um, for the the resource will will greatly increase because right because we're all I think we're for centuries we've all been trying to figure out a way to use this resource and conserve this resource that we all like which is love which is the ocean right and we all so I think that change is happening and the more we can do to make that change happen I think is fantastic and I very much so thank you for having us on because this is fantastic and you know we're reaching more mariners and sailors by doing this which is wonderful and we can partner with more mariners and sailors by doing this absolutely it was yeah. great uh, i learned more Excellent. and uh, i really enjoyed taking a course and i'm so glad thank that uh, well, you could you join for us that. for this podcast yeah thank you it was a lot of fun i love being here so perfect yeah thank you bela that was really interesting you know we haven't talked about any kind of wildlife really on this podcast yet what are your key takeaways? So, so for me, when I took the course in my conversation with him, I learned a lot. Uh, I, I learned a lot about, you know, what to do when you encounter these animals. Uh, and I mean, they're big. <laughs> and, at, you know, even a, even a dolphin's a pretty big animal. And yes, I'm amazed, but at the same time, I'm like, okay, I don't want to piss it off. <laughs> I don't, I don't want to do something that's going to injure it. So I think she had some really good tips, you know, travel in the same direction, uh, particularly with whales, you know, don't, if you see a pot of whales, don't, don't come in to broadside them. <laughs> you have to turn and travel in the same direction that they're traveling in. Uh, and I think that, you know, this notion of uh, report, I never thought about reporting whale sightings, right? That was never something that sort of popped into my mind. And since they are endangered, particularly some of them are very endangered, um, it's important to report that. And I thought that was a, that was also a good bit of information on you know where you can report it uh, and get to sighting, and then you know the notion of oh well I I just saw it off Block Island. No, well you should write down the GPS coordinates, which all we all have these days. So those types of sort of operational tips of what to do, I thought I thought were really good. Neat. Kind of from my non-sailor's perspective, first, I thought it was really cool that you could take a class on something like this, right? I had no idea this was out there. So, you know, A, just the existence of it makes sense. And it makes sense that the Audubon Society, where, where Anne works, and, you know, all these other organizations are working toward this, that this is great. And it's just one of these things that makes sense, but I didn't realize that there was something there specifically um, to deal with it. So I think that's great. And, you know, obviously, i Learning is a big part of my life, right? And um, I think any, our, our listeners, anybody where you get a chance to spend a few minutes and it's free, right, to learn some stuff that might help you one day and certainly help these animals um, survive and thrive, uh, I think is fantastic. So that was cool. And then, yeah, the same thing with you. I had no idea about these websites and apps that on both ends that you can use to report the sightings, but yeah. also, hey, I can see where they're at and kind of figure this out. I mean, this was really cool. So it, again, it makes sense to me that this exists, but I had no idea. So I'm going to check these out. Um, you know, it's I think that there's um, there's a lot of value there and to just be aware of where these animals are at and um, is great for their conservation, but it's great for us to learn more about them and respect them too. So, yeah, I don't know. Um, did you know, about, you said you didn't know about these sites before the course. So is this something that you'll use and check out, do you think, when you're when you're sailing? 
Yeah, yeah, I for sure. Uh, I I will I will download uh, one of those apps. Actually, I already have for my phone uh, the one that she mentioned. And uh, you know, this notion of collecting data, I think, is really important because we have all these boaters out there. I mean, there, there's a, several hundred you know, just between Block Island and Narragansett Bay on any given Saturday or Sunday. And and if you see something, uh, you, you see a whale, or you can report it. And I think that really helps scientists. It really helps collect that data about their migration patterns, how these patterns are changing, because we know they're changing. Uh, and they're driven, you know, by food and water temperature and currents and all sorts of stuff. So I just think it's it's a great way for boaters to sort of con make a contribution uh, to science and to help save these uh, endangered uh, animals. I love it. That's maybe a nice way to wrap it up, Bela. And listeners, hey, you know, I always say, thanks for joining us for another episode, but this time, take the darn class, get the app, report it, help. You know, we get a lot of joy uh, from the environment, and if we can do our part and help it out a little bit by investing a little bit of time, doesn't cost any money, please do so. So the links and stuff are in the show notes. Bela, you're always great about putting that in there. Um, so I'm sure they're in there now, but listeners, thanks for joining us. We hope you found this con conversation interesting and thought provoking, obviously like we did. Um, as always, if you have questions about what we've discussed, please feel free to get in touch with us. Our email is sailing the east. That's all one word at gmail.com. Hey, and if you enjoyed the podcast, hit that follow button on your favorite podcasting application. It really helps other people find us. Uh, hey, and if you know someone that would make a good guest on the show, uh, let us know. We'll reach out to them and see if they'd be interested in being a guest. Uh, hope to see you out there. Uh, so until next time, signing off from upstate New York. See you all soon. Sounds great, Bailon, from over here in Münster, Germany, where the nearest lake that's bigger than a puddle is quite a ways away. But uh, hope to see you next time and see you out there at some point, too, somewhere. Thank you.